Hey everybody, it's Heclina, and welcome to Drag Time with Heclina. This is the first episode ever of our new podcast with my trusty sidekick, Mark. Hi, Mark. Always present and always effervescent. <laughs> so our first guest for the first ever podcast is none other than my best ghoul friend, Peaches Christ, somebody who I have known um, well, we came up together in the underground drag world while I was doing Tranny Shack. Peaches was making her mark doing Midnight Mass, uh, a summertime series at the bridge, the now long gone Bridge Theater. And uh, we've both kind of gone mainstream in a way. I, I, uh, I have Oasis and she has big shows at the Castro Theater. She's traveling around the world. She took time out from her busiest schedule to be with us today. Give it up for Peaches Christ. Hi. Oh, my God. Mad applause. Hi, Peaches. Hi. Um, God, this is kind of weird. Just, I know. It's Why? First, well, it's the first ever podcast. And, you know. I don't think you've ever interviewed me before. Is that I kind haven't? Of, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I mean, I never applied for a job at Tranny Shack. I just started doing stuff there. Right, right, right. I didn't really ever interview anybody at Tranny Shack. There was no screening process. No. <laughs> certainly, certainly no drug tests. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so why don't you catch people up on what you've been up to lately? Well, I know that. The last time I worked with you, what we were hosting the Star Search competition, which was amazing. That was great. Um, I was a little bit removed from it. And I'm sure you were too. I showed up there and I looked at the lineup and I was like, oh, great. Now I know who's competing. You know, like I right. did all the work. But also you did a lot with Sketchfest this year. Yeah. Maybe tell people what Sketchfest is and what your involvement was this year. All right. So, yeah, SF Sketchfest is a San Francisco born and uh, based comedy festival. Uh, apparently, it's the largest comedy festival in North America. They did 290 events in three weeks, which is like, you know, insane. I can't even believe that our city can still support that much comedy. It's encouraging to feel like, okay, people are still going out enough in January. And every event packed. No, 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 oh. no. But I think they know how to balance it, right? Oh, right. So, um, so I did two events with them this year. One was a co-production uh, that was a Rocky Horror Picture Show tribute because Rocky Horror Picture Show turned 45, wow. which is crazy. Uh, and so we did that and we had um, stars from the movie, Barry Bostwick, who plays Brad, Patricia Quinn, who's Magenta, and Nell Campbell, uh, who's Columbia, come and basically do the show with us. And that was super fun. And, you know, Rocky Horror... It's surreal for me because, like, it was such a pivotal thing growing up as a kid. Of course, you know, yeah. it was like super, super inspiring. And, like, even now, like, just, you know, I could get lost watching like any scene Tim Curry is doing anything in. He's just perfection. I remember what as a kid, uh, you know, we, I, I don't think any kid now and anybody nowadays growing up, I don't think that Frankenfurter would be subversive to somebody nowadays. But when I was a young teenager in Reykjavik, I remember I would go downtown on Saturday night. They had a midnight screening of Rocky Horror. And to me, it was so well, life-changing. I remember like seeing Frankenfurter and seeing Ziggy Stardust yeah. was, you know, so life-changing for me. What did the what, what did they do? What did what did Patricia Quinn do? Uh, so Campbell? they really they really wanted to do more than they were asked to do. So the typical Sketchfest tribute format is uh, they screen a movie, this kind of show. You know, some shows are, you know, sketch comedy, some are improv shows, some are stand up shows, but the tributes at the Castro are basically like we're booking a movie, 
We have stars from the movie or the director, and then we've hired a moderator to interview them. Oh. Uh, so with me being a co-producer, we put on a little more of a show. You know, I came out and did an opening number. We had Trixie. What did you do? I did Peach Transvestite, okay. you know, uh, you know, and had lots of drag queens doing all the different characters. And then we had Trixie Carr do um, uh, Late Night Double Feature. You know, she opened uh, the show. And then we had the body cast actually do shadow casting during the movie. But for the celebrity part, really, they were just supposed to come up and, um, you know, do the interview. But like Barry Bostwick, who I've worked with before, uh, loves to do, you know, pull some gags. So the last time we did a show together, he actually surprised me by getting dressed in drag. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I really truly was surprised. I really didn't think he was going to do that. Like, I thought he was kind of an asshole, to be honest, because backstage, he, he, I said, oh, you know, if you watch, it was just him, you know, right, right. if you watch the show from the back of the, the auditorium, I'll introduce you. And that way you can watch our opening number and come down the aisle. And he said, no, I'd really rather just wait in the dressing room if that's all right. And I thought, mm. oh my God. Like, Right, right. Jerky. Um, so what he did was as soon as we hit the stage, he had someone helping him get into a corset and fishnets and feathered boa and the whole, you know, floor show look. And he came out in that look and, you know, did the leg, you know, move and everything. Still at his age, he could do the He leg did it. Yeah, yeah. Like he's limber. So he must do yoga or something. But this year he came out in the the bathrobe and the underwear and mm -hmm. he had asshole written on his underwear and you know, he had a wig on, right, right, a Brad right. wig and and what was hilarious was like Nell and Patricia, what was really revealing to me about this show was Nell and Patricia, because they're the old guard who did the show in London, right. you know, and they've been together and they played those characters. They originated those characters with Richard O'Brien. There's still this riff between the Hollywood folks and the original, the OGs. Mm -hmm. So like Nell and Patricia before the show even started, were kind of warning me like Barry's going to try to pull something, mm -hmm. you know, Barry's going to do something. Have you, have you talked to Barry? He's going to try to do something. So when he came out and he was doing his thing in the robe, they were rolling their eyes and making horrible faces. <laughs> and then when he sat down, they kind of attacked him a little bit. Like, like what? Oh, they were just kind of bullying him. Like they were sort of, you know, mean to him. And part of it was sort of hilarious because it, it feeds into sort of the dynamic of the movie that they have. Mm -hmm. And then and they were really, really not having Susan Sarandon either. You know, like um, they definitely talked about uh, how annoying she was, you know. And so I asked them, like, hey, do, do you feel like there was this divide between you know, Meatloaf, Susan, and Barry, who were the Hollywood actors that were basically mm -hmm. foisted upon the the production versus you guys. And they said, well, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, which makes sense because Tim Curry and Richard and Nell and Pat, they'd all done the show in London for years. And you know that originally that the, the movie, they didn't want Tim, you know, really? the Hollywood, it was, uh, but Tim didn't Tim originate it also yes. on, in London. Yeah. But they felt like they needed to replace him and so Jim Sharman, the directors who fought for Tim, but the the um, money people wanted it to be at one time it was going to be Mick Jagger. Oh wow! Can you imagine? Yes, would kind not of. have been well. Actually, yeah, you kind of maybe could. Uh, what do you think? No, I don't want to go too too into a rabbit hole with Rocky yeah. Horror, but qu very quickly, what do you think of this whole with kids nowadays wanting to cancel Rocky Horror because it's being it's anti-trans and Frankenfurter and all that stuff. Well, I mean, I guess I feel like it's short-sighted. Mm -hmm. uh, I now am on the weird side of being an older person mm -hmm. who's who's listening to young people and 
actually trying to be open-minded. I don't want to be that that older person. I mean, we had this whole situation when when the word tranny became a pejorative where, you know, this nightclub tranny shack that meant the world to me that was our family, you know, show and club, you know, it was where you you and I and people who, you know, had grown up with it, you know, needed to kind of listen to what was being said with the rocky and I agree. I mean, I agree that like the the word had evolved in a way that we could not control, you right. know, no matter how much I could say, it's not a bad word. It's not a bad word. Right, it had right. become a bad word. Right, right. You know, that's, that's just the reality of it. You know, yeah. I think, you know, whereas with Rocky horror, I think, um, canceling Rocky horror, I think canceling artwork I think canceling, is in general uh, yeah. is a big mistake, I think, even if it's yeah. offensive or I th- bothersome. I think the whole cancel culture is just out of control. Yeah. Now I was surprised. I wasn't surprised. I was, I didn't know that you were going to be interviewing Sandra Bernhardt on stage. I had a kind of a negative experience with her when I booked her a few years ago. I was in that. I did that show with no, her. I know. Yeah. But, but you, I don't think you didn't really work with her behind the scenes so much. No. Um, did you work behind the scenes with her this time or was it all kind of on the surface? I didn't. So, so the second show that I did just to get the listeners up to date was, uh, uh, a show where it was more the traditional SF sketch fest show where, because I wasn't co-producing it, they said, we have King of Comedy, we have Sandra Bernhardt, we've suggested you as a moderator, Sandra loves the idea, would you do it? Mm -hmm. So basically I just had to show up and interview her Mm -hmm. and, uh, I have to say, uh, I know you had your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that aside, uh, I'm a huge fan. I mean, you know, just like you were, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan. I mean, I think that she, you know, in the 80s, watching her on Letterman, and I love The King of Comedy, like rewatching it, it's like, wow, that's still great. such a great movie. And she's so amazing in it. And she, her one woman shows, like, you know, Without You, I'm Nothing, and her appearance in Truth or Dare, and all that stuff, right? So I got nervous. Right. Like I wasn't really nervous going into Rocky Horror, although the interview was really hard because they were all three big personalities and I couldn't really wrangle it. But with Sandra Bernhardt, I was nervous for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like she's somebody who got really, she kind of lost her edge once once she uh, had kids. You know what I well, mean? Well, she has she a daughter, yeah, yeah, who's who's in college um, now. Uh, all right. Um, no, is this, is this, is, is this, um, I'm sorry, just to shift gears. Is yeah. this raunchy enough? Like, uh, like this is the point on the Sideshow podcast when Greg would burst in and be like, so did you eat his ass or what? Ah, uh, like, so like you need it we, more raunch? Is it going to be catty and bitchy or is it going to be talking? I, we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, you're still figuring so, it we're out. still figuring it out. If you asked me, you know, maybe more personal questions that we're not used to talking. I don't know. I mean, just to throw out suggestions. True. You know what I mean? I, I was I was asking you broad questions. It might need to be like you were saying we should maybe steer away from events. I was like, God, she's gonna ask me what I've been up to, and it's like, well, I've been going to the gym, and I know what that's gonna lead to her well, that, calling me fat. Well, and, that's you know. the thing is maybe we should do that. I made chili. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's. Well, I mean, uh, we're old queens let's, now. Um, all right. Well, peaches, I've known you for a long time. I think the truth is, is that we're no longer the uh, the uh, transgressive uh, drag queens we were in the '90s. Where, uh, especially, in, I, I speak for myself. I used to go out every night. I was afraid I would miss some event, you know, and I was at everything. And, um, and you're eating every ass. And I was eating every ass. Oh. And now the big thing is my crock pot and planning a meal that I might be cooking <laughs> five days from now. Right. Um, and my whole life revolves around. That my remote and my cat. Yeah. So I think people. Uh, you are an old lady. I, yes, I think people uh, think that my life 
is a lot more interesting than it actually is. And I want to say that you're pretty boring too. So the other day, now listen, the other day I was speaking. It's a big deal for me. I was speaking at an AA meeting. You're not supposed to talk about that. Spoiler alert, I'm clean and sober. Yeah, but you can't say that you're in AA. Why can't I? Because that's breaking a tradition. You cannot in press, radio, or film, film and TV. All right, listeners who are sober, you let me know. Am I right or is Hecklina right? She can say that she's sober, but she cannot say that she's a member of AA. I don't think that's true. I think that you can't tell, say that other people. No, you can't because AA doesn't want you representing them. I'm not. I don't speak. Okay, let, let me clarify it. I don't speak for AA. Thank God. But I was speaking that day at an AA meeting. Even Sorry. though you're not an AA, I wanted you to <laughs> share because it was a momentous occasion for me. Right. And um, you texted me early in the day, and you said, "I don't know if I'll be able to make it or not." And the reason <laughs> you gave me was you sent me a picture of your crock pot. You were making. Okay, who cannot juggle their their time of day around a crock pot. That's the whole point of a crock pot is you set it and you forget it. That's true. And Peaches, I, I, when I when I called her on it, she said, well, there's a certain point when I had to shred the chicken and put it in <laughs> at, at, at the exact right time. I'm calling BS on this. Well, partly that's true. The recipe does call for that. Uh, as sent to me from Diane, my mother, who made this chili while I was, was home. was a real old lady. Yes. Uh, and... And so I was like, oh, shit, I have to shred the chicken. But then there was this other part of me that realized that Don't chili... you normally choke the chicken? <laughs> I don't even do that anymore. But you were shredding That's how it. old I am. Yeah, I, sh- <laughs> I, sh- I shred the chicken breast now <laughs> in the crock pot. Um, but then there was this other part of me that just, you know, it was Sunday, and we had done uh, Star Search the night before, so I was tired. I'm not used to being... I don't do shows anymore that start at midnight. Okay. Like, that does not happen in Here my is, life. Here's the thing, and, I'd look, and no, let, agree, let, let me know if you agree with this. I will do something like Star Search, where I'm out late at night, Get home at two, two in the two in the morning. Take my makeup off. Go to bed, and I am annihilated the next day. Yeah, that and, was and, me. And I don't even drink or do drugs anymore. But it's just exhausting. well, that was why the whole crockpot thing got fucked up because I thought I was going to wake up in the morning, throw all the ingredients in there, and then it would be done way before I even went to the, your meeting. And I did feel a little strange as someone who's not an AA attending a meeting, you know? Right, but it was an open meeting. Oh, does yeah. that mean anyone can go? Yes. Ah, okay. But yeah, so then when I realized there was a number of variables, like the chili was running late. I wanted to eat the chili. Yeah, no, it's true. How boring are our lives? Well, I mean, do you, what was the last, when was the last time you ate ass? Uh, yesterday. No, day before yesterday. Well, I guess you're still, you're not abstaining or you're not. What's the word? No, abstaining. You're not dried up, I guess, totally. Well, so you um, were trying to abstain from what? All sex for 90 days. All sex. It was a lot more difficult than it sounds. But you were still on the apps. No, I deleted them for a while. You can even ask Pippi. We went down to Palm Springs, and I was not having any sex. Okay. And she was the one that was going out trolling and uh, trolling for dick. And I was... So did you make it 90 days? No, not quite. Okay. I made it over, I made it over 60 days. Well, that's sex. pretty good. I was instead of having sex, I was um, looking at recipes. For, <laughs> yeah, for, 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 I was taking my aggressions out on my crock pot. Right. Okay. I was flogging the pot, flogging the crock pot. 
But, yeah, uh, and yeah. you were choking the chicken. And I was choking the chicken, yes. So, yes, basically it's... Um, As you put it, you had to get the white out. I don't I was, like that was, expression. Why not? Getting the white out. Is, I don't know. Is it disgusting? It grosses me out a little bit. Uh, Mark, what do you think the term getting the white out means? I just call her working from home. <laughs> <laughs> so my life has become boring, and in keeping with that, yeah. I'm going into semi-retirement. Uh, the whole of San Francisco is in an uproar. About my retirement, or well, at least they were. I think. I think the uproar is you. You. You promised something that got everyone <laughs> <laughs> excited. <laughs> we're all ready to throw a big party, and then you're like, "Just kidding! Uh, I'm well, actually still going to be doing this, 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 and this." And yeah, I know people are all excited, and I was like, "Well, I'm not completely retiring." Right. And then the parties were canceled. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But you're retiring from Oasis, so that's the that's the retirement part, I guess. Yes. But otherwise, you're not retiring at all. When we were recording this, as of now, there's two more shows I have at Oasis. Two more Saturday nights. But then I go right into the cruise with yeah. you. Then I come back, and I have a gig. Drag Becomes Her. Oh, I have a gig lined up here at the end of the month. Then I have Drag Becomes Her. Then I have a, a gig at the Battery. Then I have the launch of Daytime Realness. And what's this then, dinner thing you're doing now? The Drag Brunch. For dinner. For dinner. Yeah, I mean, it's a but it's a ser- it's like a regular gig. Yes. So, but it was a fun event. It was fun. I mean, the thing is, you know, what do you do? You do, do you do numbers? Yeah, I do a couple songs. Like we do a, like four or five songs, and then let them serve the entrees, and then I come back and I do the rest of the, we do the rest of the songs. It's not. It's really just okay. Here's the thing: as I'm getting older, I was out of there by nine o'clock, right? Which is fierce. So, and I didn't have to... And did they feed you? They fed us really well. Well, there you go. And I also did not have to worry about how many people I was bringing in. It was on them. Right. Like, I no longer have to be, like, stressing about... You're just a hired heifer who shows up and hosts the show and does your numbers. That's what I want. Eats your big meal and... That's all I got. Excuse me, I didn't have a big meal. I had the charcuterie plate and the Brussels sprouts. <laughs> it was it was Holada and Vicodonia who wolfed down hamburgers and French fries. But really, yeah, I don't. Who's counting, right? So this past January, Cosmopolitan magazine released a list of the fifteen best LGBTQ plus shows that everyone needs to watch. The article is by Jasmine Tang, so you can find it yourself. But I'm going to give you the rundown. Number one, Pose. I, Pose is amazing. I love Pose. RuPaul's Drag Race is number two. Yes, RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, Queer Eye, 2018 to present version. AJ and the Queen, another RuPaul vehicle. Tales of the City, that continuation. Eastsiders, Will and Grace, One Day at a Time. Orange is the New Black. Broad City, Steven Universe, Vita, Schitt's Creek, The Boulet Brothers' Dragula, and Glee. So all those shows you mentioned, Pose, I, st- I started trying to watch it, but it's a commitment to keep watching it. And then RuPaul's Drag Race, unbelievably, I've never watched. I watched one episode once, and I was like, eh, I've seen it. I've never watched uh, Queer Eye. What I am watching right now, because I fell into The People versus O.J. Simpson recently. I re-watched it and how amazing it was. And right now I'm in the middle of watching The, the Assassination of Gianni Versace. Had again, you not seen that before? Of course, I saw it, but I was—I'm watching it again. I think it's so amazing. I think Darren. Well, Chris, that's why if you keep rewatching shows, then you're not seeing the new shows. But it inter- I think Ryan Murphy, his specialty is these kind of shows. I don't think his uh, 
episodic shows like American Horror Story, those don't interest me, but these kind of real life. Well, Feud was amazing. Feud, People vs. O.J. Simpson, Gianna Versace, that's his. I don't know. That's what he where he accepts. Well, I very queer. Yeah, I really liked Dragula a lot. I'm obviously Hecklina and I are friends with the Boulay brothers and people we've worked with for years and years. And I really, really admire that they just went out and did it on their own. It reminds me a lot of the San Francisco spirit, you know, where we don't have an industry up here backing us up. Like, and they're down in LA, and instead of them waiting for a network or a production company to come along and and do it, they just like hired some kids and some cameras. And that first season, they came up to San Francisco and filmed me and Hecklina at an Oasis party, and they brought some of the girls. And you know they were doing it on ten cents. I mean, no money. And now to see them, season three, selling their show to Amazon Prime, and then doing a whole move behind the scenes to sell it to Netflix for some big deal. I'm amazed. I'm so impressed by them and really, you know, really admire them. And, you know, they're our age. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, peers of ours. The other thing, I mean, I, I'll say uh, obnoxiously that I really uh, appreciate about them is they do, you know, horror drag. And in that first season, and they're very clear about this online as well, they will say the godmothers of horror drag are Hecklina, Peaches Christ, Vince Santos, and Squeaky Blonde. They go out of their way to acknowledge that, you know, 20 years ago, we were doing all this crazy stuff, um, you know, on stage at Tranny Shack. They're they're just really great entertainers, and and of course, they've included us in Uh, Along for the Ride. I think you would actually enjoy parts of the show because it reminds me of you know like it's 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 sort of a drag race mashup and drag race is essentially project runway and top model right like drag race is nothing's original right drag race is a parody of project uh runway and top model right. and it does it very well and what uh dragula did was come along and go okay we'll do the drag race thing and mash it up with fear factor. Right, right. So when they have these drag queens, you know, like jumping out of airplanes and, you know, doing all this crazy, locking them in, you know, coffins and pouring maggots in their face. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I love that. Well, it's kind of like, that's the world we come from. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and this past season, when I got to go and judge it, they don't, they don't tell you ahead of time who's going to be on it, who your co judges. And it was Henry Rollins. Which for me was like that. That was amazing to spend the day with Henry Rollins. So I just, I hope they keep doing it because it's. I mean, obviously they're going to. I think they're hugely successful. You know, they really got screwed over on that tour though. By, yes. by Murray and Peter, which I told them. I said, "Don't get into bed with Murray and Peter," but they did, and, and it ended badly. But, so you uh, were the you warned them. Well, yeah. Anyway, Swanthula told me she was working, working with, with Murray and Peter. And I was like, and I just kind of made a, a ground, and she said, "Well, how do you feel about it?" I said, uh, well, "Not great, but hopefully it works out for you." Well, so. they definitely um, had uh, a successful European tour. Oh yeah, I just read about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I swear, I, I feel like that is my favorite thing now is performing outside of this country. Yeah, like when we did um, "Mommy Queerist" in Reykjavik. Like you know, audiences are just better. Let me ask you a question. So I was talking with somebody that I work with a lot. Uh, he's a booker in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. He's of the opinion that the whole drag race thing is kind of winding down. 
And I have been feeling that too. There's less, it's less bang for your buck now, book, uh, booking those girls. There's just so many of them. Right. And there's so many of them that aren't a draw. I think the people that are a draw are still the ones that have been a draw for years now. Like there's, There was really nobody from last season or the season before who has become a Katya or an Alaska. Right, right. So uh, as far as being a draw. And he even said that um, RuPaul only signed up for a certain amount of seasons of Drag Race, that RuPaul is over it and wants to move on, maybe this whole AJ and the Queen stuff. And she, I, I can't imagine her stopping the show. Well, not maybe, I mean, like maybe if she was going to stop after 10 seasons, the fact is she started winning Emmy Awards. Right. And probably making so much money. Right, right. You know, that's probably motivation enough to mm -hmm. keep going, I would think. Um, because now you're an Emmy Award winner. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this successful, I mean, I'm sure, you know, anyone in those, in, in, when they're at the top of their game, it's hard to just stop, right? Right. So I would. Except for me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting the RuPaul's Drag Race phenomenon and where it's moving. I think that those girls will still be successful and profitable, but it's going to move out of gay bars. I think gay people are less interested than they used to be. Right. And so what you're seeing is Drag Race is now the pumpkin latte of sort of like what used to be queer culture. Drag used to be edgy and interesting and queer and punk rock and, you know, gay bars were the place where you went to see drag. Now, you know, because of all this popularity, I think the gay bars are finding like, oh, guess what? We can't just book any Drag Race queen and get, get gay people to turn out. They don't care like they used to. Well, or... Those prices have to come down. You know right. what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't mind booking some of the not popular ones, but their booking agents are delusional if they think I'm going to spend that much money on booking them. You know, because once you factor in, well, you know, you factor in hotels and you factor in flights, it's kind of like you're, there's a lot of money you have to make back just to break even. Yeah. The whole thing now is young girls, you know, and I, I run a 21 and over venue. So sometimes when I have the really popular ones, I have... The, tw the young girls waiting outside like a rock concert. Yeah. Like, can you give this to, you know, to Trixie or whatever, you know, because they can't come in. Definitely drag is not as edgy as it used to be. It's kind of sad that it's so mainstream. It was not something that was thought of. Like when I started Tranny Shack at the Stud back in the 90s, I was smitten with drag and they asked me if I wanted to, to try a night. And I said, I would like to try a drag show. And that was so alien to them. They had never had a drag show in there before, and they had to build a stage for me. And now the stud is just drag shows. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, and every night there is drag. So much, so much so that when I when I decided to end Mother and Darcy's like, well, what 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 should I do with Saturdays? I tried to talk her out of doing a drag night. Really? Because there's such a glut of drag shows. It's right. So, it's so hard to to. Because everyone's trying to sell their drag show, it's and and everything is a format of tranny shack, which tranny shack wasn't didn't invent the wheel, but there there wasn't a million drag shows back then that had a theme and wacky and irreverent. You know what I mean? There were none. It yeah. was just tranny shack. So I mean, it just seems like every show is like that now. Yeah. So and so the originator, or the tranny shack, the mother, it's hard to to stand out. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It took a lot 
to stand out. That's the thing with the gay culture now is that if you open a straight club, you don't have the challenge of having to draw them in. For the most part, straight men still have to go out to bars to get laid. Gay men don't. So you have to have some hook at any gay club to get people in in the first place. I would have been a fool to ignore the drag race popularity, but when you remove the drag race like equation, like I don't think Darcy's going to book all those girls. Mm-hmm. How is Darcy going to hook people into coming every Saturday? In general, not just drag or gay bars or queer theater or whatever, from across the board, I've heard about waning ticket sales, shows struggling. You know, I, I saw Hamilton for $50. You know, the city right now, San Francisco's fucked. So yeah. why aren't people going out? It's not just the gay bars. It's like across the board well, people aren't going. I think okay. it's Netflix. Well, generalizing, so I'll generalize and say that straight men still do have to go out to get pussy. For the most part. I mean, you can, Are you, you sure? I think they hook can, up on you, Tinder you and stuff. You can talk about Tinder all you want, but women are not that kind of creature yet where they're going to be on the other end of that phone going, oh, sure, come over and fuck me. I mean, I'm generalizing, Mark. I'm saying in general, women are not whores like men are. And and when that happens, you are in real trouble. I know. There goes know. your sex life. Well, my sex <laughs> life kind of already went away when Craigslist You just rimmed away. an ass the other day, you said. One ass, not 30 <laughs> yeah. asses. Okay. Um, what was I? What was I talking about? Oh yes. So yeah, you're right. Uh, bars are really hurting. Every bar can talk about a twenty percent drop in liquor sales. Restaurants, forget it. You're totally well. Screwed. That's a big. That's yeah. a big epidemic right now. Like, there was an article in the Chronicle the other day about how you know there's more restaurants closing than opening, and this is a first in San Francisco history. So what is happening here, and what's well, going to happen? If you're a game, uh, yeah, so the thing is, like, all these, there's all these people living in these super expensive condos and apartments in San Francisco. They don't want to leave. Right. So they're ordering their food in. Yeah. They're ordering their liquor in. They're ordering their sex in. They're ordering their pot in. Everything is delivered right. to you now. They're watching so, really uh, good TV. There's really lots good TV. of good, good TV. So, yeah. So every festival that is suffering, every theatrical show is suffering, movie theaters are suffering, yep. nightclubs are suffering, and especially restaurants are suffering. Yeah. So um, it, it does take a lot. So my feeling with Darcy is like, I like. My my drag career, and I, I put quotation marks when I say career, has always been like instinct. And my instinct said, the nightlife is fucked. Right. Nightlife is fucked. So that's my instinct. Yeah. I hope it's not true, but maybe it's going, like there's going to be a, all these empty storefronts and people living above them in super expensive condos. That's not going to be. Yeah. That's, that's now. Yeah, that's here already. But I mean, more and more. Right. Where will this country be in 10 years? That's what I keep wondering is like when everything's automated, when everything's robotic, when there aren't any jobs, how are people going to survive? You know, the the millionaires, the billionaires, they'll be okay. Thank God. But how, how, oh my That'll God. Be- <laughs> You know, so that'll be me up in the hills in Palm Springs. So what's going to happen? I think one of the things they they keep talking about is uh, the country itself might remain wealthy with wealthy companies and successful businesses, but without the jobs, right? Like you'll be able to run these big companies. And so much like Saudi Arabia or some country where they have all these people and the country has wealth, there might be a point where the government... You know, and I guess one of the presidential candidates has already 
talking this way, you know, about giving dividends out to Americans. You know, Yang is saying a thousand dollars a month for every American. It's like that's weird. This it's is never going to happen. You you don't think well, in ten so, years? Okay, so that was sort of the idea with Amazon not being taxed was it me? Of course. And can you? I mean, can you imagine all these billionaires and millionaires who who are like, I've got mine. Why are they going to help? The- oh no no no! This would be mandated by the government. Oh, I like that. That's that's what that that's the movement is like. We would have to turn into a dividend based country. The government would distribute the wealth by taxing the shit out of. Would these, you change you know. your drag name to Lavanya Dividends? <laughs> no, <laughs> Lavanya, Lavanya Dividends. Well, maybe yeah. If I could live on them, yeah, I maybe I would. Yeah. How depressing. But anyway, my instinct is, but even if I go to Palm Springs, I mean, Palm Springs, it's a glut of drag down there, too. And it's all brunch. Because Palm Springs rolls up, everything rolls up around 8 o'clock at night. Um, So how am I going to stand out down there? I mean, I'm not going to host brunch in 110 degree weather. Well, down there right now, you're still chicken, right? I mean, true. at your age, you are... are (laughs) Basically a youngin. Yeah, you're old. In San Francisco, you're totally invisible to the average young gay man. But in Palm Springs, I walk into any bar and they're like, whoa, who's that whippersnapper that just <laughs> walked in here? Did you see, you know, you and I have a mutual friend, Sam Pancake, who did this sort of... Yes. Wasn't that was amazing? So, yeah, yeah. so, so heartfelt. So if you guys, the listeners, want to uh, know what we're talking about, our friend Sam Pancake... I don't really know what the context was, but basically he went on a rant about being uh, a, an, a gay man of a certain age and what ageism is like. I get specifically in Los Angeles. Well, he did a video about that, right? About him and a him oh and yeah, a, him and his young boyfriend. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you know, like his he kept referencing things like, oh my god, that's so like John Cassidy, like so you, you sounded like Gina Rollins right now and a woman under the influence. Yeah, he's like, Who, who's Gina Rollins? Well, she used to be married to John Cassavetes. Who's John Cassavetes? It was like an older gay man yeah. trying to talk to his young lover, his young millennial lover about, like, who's who's Diana Ross? Who's Liza Minnelli? Who's... So the other night at Oasis, I was doing the show, and somehow I was referencing, oh, it was Stone, we were talking about Stonewall. Because somebody was doing a number, a performance they did at a night called Stonewall to celebrate 50 years of Stonewall. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, everybody, I'm just going to ask you, do you all know what, the bar goers at Stonewall were doing what they were mourning that night when the riots when, when the riots started. Whose funeral were they mourning that day? And complete complete silence. No. And I said I said okay I'll give you a hint. Wizard of Oz. Complete silence. <laughs> and I was like okay. Wait where were you? At Oasis. And and then finally somebody's like Judy Garland like in the back. I was like good. And Judy Garland was the mother of. Ooh. And complete silence. Lorna left. Yeah, someone yelled, Lorna left. I, I put the microphone down at some guy's mouth. I said, Judy Garland was the mother of who? And the kid said, the gay rights movement. I was like, you idiot. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was trying to think of what I wanted to oh, hear. Oh, no. You know I mean? So Sam Pancake's video was very telling because it is just like that now. Well, the thing that this new rant was inspired by was he was at a party and the this guy who's made made ageist remarks to him about how old he is, how old he is, finally Sam said, Look, 
you know, when you're a gay man of my age, like you're going to be either my age or you're going to be dead. Mm -hmm. And this kid said, I would rather be dead than be your age. You know, and that's what sort of like launched Sam into this, you know, tirade. But if you listen to him, it's it's very fierce and it's sad to think that and the kid doubled down. He said it twice. Mm -hmm. There's also the sense it's not just the gay part of it. It probably also is compounded by Los Angeles, you know, show business in Hollywood. And their values are sort of skewed, right? right? Like, I mean, and which is why a lot of people who in in our community who whose worth is dependent on youth and beauty um, end up with a lot of problems, you know? A lot of people, I, I know a lot of ex-porn stars, a lot of people like that when, they're, when their sell-by date is, is, has passed, they get very depressed and they don't know what to do with themselves. My, mother's, my mother, her only currency was being a good-looking woman. She never got a trade. She never found a trade. Or she never so you have nothing in common with your mom. A good-looking woman? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, <laughs> no trade. trade yes. Um, but when she got older and lost her looks, it was like she didn't know what to do. I mean, and, you know, we've all known those people. So that young kid that, that tried to read Sam Pancake, he has a really harsh wake-up yeah. happening. Not, I, and maybe 10 years from now, he'll be, he'll, be, he'll be too old for Los Angeles. You know, the, um, the porn star issue is so real that Roma was telling me that the adult... Um, and I guess it's not just gay porn stars. It's across the board. Like the adult industries now um, set up like funds for sui suicide prevention, uh, like hotlines and therapists and all sorts of stuff because they're finding that, you know, it's a high percentage of porn stars who reach a certain age and kill themselves. I think we see it here locally. Well, I've known lots of porn stars who've died. I've known a disproportionate sh amount of porn stars who have died at a very young age. Um, I'm, Roma could tell you, I had a really interesting experience once with Roma. It was the night we were sainted. You long, and I? Yeah, remember we yeah. were sainted at, yeah. a, at a tranny shack Of course a long I time remember. Ago. She was doing, doing my makeup. She wanted it to be like Roma makeup. While she was doing my, my makeup, I was like, oh, so what happened to, to this person? She's like, girl, committed suicide. He shot, he shot up some meth and put a bag over his head in an abandoned building in London. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. Ugh. That's awful. Now, what happened to this person? Oh, honey, terrible. He had to have his leg chopped off. His leg went gangrene from shooting up too much. And I was like, oh, that's awful. What happened to this other person? Oh, she's got KS in her lungs, and she's dying in a hotel. And tender. Like, every person I asked her about, wow. it was. So I was like, I was terrified to ask her about anybody because everything was like gloom and doom. But this was the reality then of the porn world. Well, yeah. I mean, let's face it, when you grew up our age, at least, and Sam's a little bit older than me, but like there's this generational gap where- How old is he, 70? No, he's your age, I think. Oh, 45? Please, girl. <laughs> Please. So I'm a little bit younger than you are. You just turned 50. No, I did not. Oh. No, I'm 46. Oh, sorry. Uh, you're 53, Two. 52. 52. So, um, but growing up in, in, uh, the eighties and knowing as a kid that you're queer, uh, when AIDS hit and it was all that we knew. <clears throat> depressing, depressing. It's depressing, but. Depressing. Make AIDS funny somehow. Make it, make it funny. I think there were a lot of us who, uh, including, you know, porn stars our age, drag queens our age people our age who 
you know, lived in a way where it was like, well, I might as well just do whatever the fuck I want because I don't have to worry about the future because I'm not going to have one. I mean, I just remember thinking like, well, I'm gay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get AIDS and I'm going to die. Like, that's that's my future, you know, or I could go into the priesthood or, you know, so whatever. how long have you had AIDS? Well, believe it or not, I never got it. What? So, yeah, I never had AIDS, oh. which, you know, I guess in a way uh, is partly because I grew up totally afraid of sex. You know, like people, I think a lot of young gay men my age, we used phone sex lines. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, there were like these, young people don't even know what this is, but like there were these chat lines and party lines and you would call and you'd talk to some guy um, on the other side of the country and you would basically have phone sex. You know, it'd be, it was like a, a bathhouse on your phone. That's what we did in college. We jerked off. We, you know, but we were we were afraid. Right. It was very people rimmed with dental dams. So here's you know the what thing: I mean? is that a lot of kids don't know how scary AIDS was. It was terrifying because they take they just pop, you know, a Truvada now like it's nothing. But when I moved here, it was like pages and pages of obituaries in the weekly gay paper every week. I worked at Tower Video, and I was in charge of uh, accounts, new accounts, and old accounts, and. Part of my job was deleting the accounts of people who had died, you know, and you'd see somebody healthy, and then a couple days later, or a week later, you'd see them walking around like a skeleton, and that was the reality. So, thank God, thank God the kids don't have to go have to deal with that anymore. Uh, it was just like, you know, funerals were like the social, <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit, but funerals were the, the social events back then. If you grew up, like my... my uh, generation grew up watching the generation ahead of us literally just die in horrible, horrible ways. Like all of, <clears throat> depressing. All of my mentors and people I admired uh, definitely affects your point of view about how to live your life. Okay, so we both have some events coming up. Um, I some have, of the same ones. Yeah, I have the final, the final two mothers coming up. Which by the time this airs, it'll be won't be an issue. We are going on a cruise. That's right to the Caribbean. Queens overboard. That's our final one. We, this, That's this, this right. Will be our fifth and final one. We are. We are. I mean, I guess you are really retiring from a lot of things because you're retiring from Queens overboard. Well, I'm not doing anything anymore that doesn't make me any money. <laughs> In fact, this loses this us loses money. Money. And if I'm going to pay to go on a cruise, I'm not going to bring. Why are we? With well, me. Yeah. Why are yeah. we working so hard? Exactly. Um, but it is a lot of fun. I mean, have we, we even, ever broke even? We did last year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but that's because my brother went and brought like twenty of his friends, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so sad that the I only know. reason we're not making any money is because my brother's not coming. I know. Yeah, and none yeah. of his friends came. Yeah. yeah. So it's really like when I have to depend on my brother as the audience. You know, that's just right. not a good business model. So, so we're doing that with Ben de la Creme. Uh, yes, and then we're working with Ben de la Creme shortly after that at the Castro Theater. Yes, where you. I was thinking about it. I was like, this isn't the first time you've played a man in one of my shows because, in, in fact, you, you did Uncle Fister first. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, everyone loved you in that. That was such a fun well, show. Was genius. You were brilliant. Yes. You were. Um, but now, I mean, you really, you know, play. Uh, oh, I guess you wear a fake mustache, That's huh? It. Just okay. A fake mustache. Yeah. yeah. So you are playing Ernest. Jinx plays the Madeline role. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Ben de la Creme plays the Helen role, mm-hmm. and I play the Isabella Rossellini role, mm-hmm. obviously. God, it's like, it's well, it's, I mean, it's like having Quasimodo play Marilyn Monroe. 
it's really so but, sad. But it's, it's, and you know they lift me up in that fucking chaise. But it's you know. your show, so you get to cast yeah, yourself exactly. in these ridiculous parts. <laughs> um, then what do we have? What do you have? have that same weekend of Drag Becomes Her, I have a gig at the Battery on Friday. Then I have Drag Becomes Her. Then I have the first daytime realness of the season on Sunday. That'll be a busy weekend for you. Yeah, I just said. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be three things. After that, I go directly to Florida. So if any of you listeners are in Fort Lauderdale, I'm doing First Wives Fight Club with Varla Jean Merman and Brooklyn Heights and Nina West as part of uh, Matt Farber's Outlandish Queer Festival. And from there, I go from Florida to London with Mink Stoll and do um, another queer arts festival called And What, where Mink and I do our show, Idol Worship. That's so great that you're doing that there. I've been trying to get you guys to do that at Oasis. I, you know, we should. So Mark here, because he's a nerd and a youngster, he's all about the memes. And um, his idea was to talk about the um, the Dolly the Dolly Parton meme that went viral uh-huh. that everybody copied. So I thought this meme was so instantly tired that I didn't even bother putting one together for myself. Um, so here we have one. Pandora Box did it. Bianca Del Rio did it. Who's that? Oh. Kasha Davis did it. What's Bianca's Willem like? Willem did it. Bianca's is the exact same photo. But it, doesn't it say she's... Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. That was exciting for me. I yeah. thought, finally. Because, you know... To admit she's an alcoholic. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, I don't think Bianca actually goes to AA. No. She's just... She's an active alcoholic. Here's who you think should should come out of the closet as alcoholic. Is me, Greg Sherrill, uh-huh. Bianca Del Rio. Uh-huh. Who else? Um... Let me think. Oh, critique. Willem. Oh, yeah. Let's let's critique. Actually, you could say any drag queen. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, any Sharon drag Needles, queen's either either Needles, yeah an AA or um okay it should be an AA. So let's critique this meme. Peaches, go. Okay, so there's the meme itself, right? Where you you basically take four different pictures of yourself and. The joke is, you know, if I'm if I'm using my photo for LinkedIn or for Facebook, I look like this. But if I'm using it for Instagram, I look like this. If I'm using it for Tinder or Grinder, I look like this. That's cute and funny once or twice. But what we were inundated with was like thousands of these, right. you know, and you know, it went so viral. So I guess what you want to do is I mean, the Golden Girls one actually is is quite good because it's so obvious, right? right? Um, and I think the Bianca one is good because it was clever to use the same image over and over again and, you know, add the Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, that actually made me laugh. Kasha Davis, is that who that is? Yes, Kasha did the same thing as Bianca. And what does hers say? Snail mail, telegram, rotary phone, smoke signal. Okay, so hers is a, a joke, joke about up. being old. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of young people, do you, do you know what a rotary phone is, Mark? Indeed, I am familiar with all the early objects of torture. <laughs> okay. Uh, Willems is Grinder. where she, I mean, my God, Scruff, I can't even believe that's her. She definitely looks like rough trade. Like you would cruise her if you saw, did you see this picture of her? She's looking pretty like butch sexy. No, I would not cruise that. But girl, okay. No, I would not. And what what else is she? Then she's in drag for a couple of them. Oh, right. well, what do, you think of, what do you think of the meme itself? Uber Eats. I got sick of it right away. There's so, some memes that I actually like, like that stupid one that I don't even get, where the woman's yelling at the cat. Okay, 
I that thought that one had me, me in up. stitches. <laughs> yeah. But it, ha- it had me in stitches for a couple of weeks. Right. Like, like I kept seeing variations yeah. until finally I was like, okay, enough. Right, right, right. This one, by the next day, I was like, I've had it with this meme. Same with Baby Yoda. I was like oh, done with Baby Yoda pretty immediately. Baby Yoda has not even been on my radar at all. Really? Mark, would you say Baby Yoda was a thing that went viral? Baby Yoda is a confirmed meme. In what way? What? Well, just like people just kept uh, putting out different versions of Baby Yoda doing different things. My favorite meme is from years ago now, and it was this girl saying Irma Gerd. And, and if, if, if she had flip-flops, she'd be like, Irma Gerd flirt flirps. Like she, remember she had like yes. a picture of her with flip-flops? And then it was like a cat going, Irma Gerd furniture first or something like that like, like like they were they were impersonating this this girl and what they imagined her to be so Irma Gerd was the funniest meme yeah 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 what um, what someone explained the cat one to me well basically it's this cat uh it's this it's this woman from real housewives d- insisting that it's a certain thing and the cat is just like a bitchy cat you know correcting her my favorite one was sale sale <laughs> it's S A L E S A L E. Oh right. Uh, on on a window, and the the woman's going sail sail, and the cat goes sasa lili sasa lili because it looks like sasa lili. So basically, it's it's this cat tormenting this woman every time by correcting her. Oh my god. Okay. So like a classic meme would be like the guy walking with the woman, and he's looking over his shoulder yes. at the other girl, and then you you go in and you put those things there yeah and then and then you know i always see stuff like that come up because i follow all these haunters pages and so there's always like these dorky haunter memes like versions of that like i don't i can't even describe one but like it's an the whole thing is that it's an inside joke Yeah, there might be a meme that's just for that particular haunt where it's related to those people that work there oh yeah i hadn't really thought about that that that's probably what makes it sort of even more viral is that you can twist it around. Like when I saw the, the Dolly Parton one, I just felt like, well, I'm not going to look for pictures of myself to do that. Someone else could. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Peaches Christ, oh, for being thank, on my podcast. Drag thank you. Time. Thank You're you. The for, first guest. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm yeah. on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And the frozen so, food section at Safeway. You've been listening to Drag Time with Hecklina. Special thanks to our first ever guest, Peaches Christ. This podcast is produced, recorded, and engineered by me. I'm Mark. Follow Hecklina on Instagram to find out more about our next episode.